bottom of the Smash Mountain, Season 2, Episode 18, SCL2 Week 3 Preview. Welcome to the podcast. I'm Jesse and or Cypher. Thank you so much for joining me. It's been a little bit of a distance since this episode and the last episode I had. My interview with a guest is not ready yet because they have not sent me their audio. I depend on the people that I record with to send me audio, and that's fine. Take your time. You know who you are, and I still love you, and you know that. We have been having good communication about it. (laughs) Seriously, nobody get upset. The point is, the funny part about this is that since they're still taking a while getting back to me, this is actually the 50th episode of bottom of the smash mountain instead of the other one that was supposed to be the 50th episode so we're not going to take any time to talk about it because why would i i already talked about it in a yet to be released episode (laughs) so we're going to keep it that way all right let's get to the preview of summit champions league 2 week 3 and it was so cool to have Wasabi and Brentos join me. It's a combination that you will not see and hear the last... Well, actually just here. You will not hear the last of us. <laughs> they, we will be doing this again. So please enjoy. Why is it so quiet? Oh, right. Transition. Summit Champions League 2, week 3, and today I'm very pleased to be joined not only by myself, this is Cypher, I should have probably led with that, but this is also Wasabi of the Wannabes podcast, and we also have Brentos, Melee Texas legend. Thank you for joining me. Let's start with Wasabi, just to do a a quick catch-up. How's your week been going so far? Are you excited for this weekend? Yeah, I'm super excited for this weekend. Uh, I'm feeling good. I'm feeling good. Not too tired. I got the, as I as you know, I got my second dose of the vaccine. So I was worried about missing it, but it's a melee. It's time to talk about melee and I, and I wouldn't miss this for the world. Appreciate you uh, playing hurt, if you will, playing maybe perhaps a little under it, but I'm really happy that you were able to make it. And Brentos, how you doing? I'm doing well. It's been a long week, but... Now it's time to kick my shoes off and talk about some melee. Let's go. Yeah, me too. 12 hour work plus work days. But yep. it doesn't matter because all of a sudden I'm feeling very energized for some reason. That's because we got some great melee to talk about. I guess we should start with just anything that stood out from a week and a half ago, which I realize is asking a lot out of all of us at the end of the days here of what happened last time all of these competitors were playing in SCL? And I guess I'll start. Really, it was just how dominant Zane looked in Division One, And there were some good matches in Division Two. I was especially surprised after Hungrybox beat Lucky, really took IBDW to the wire, who did clutch it out. IBDW beat Hungrybox in a last stock last game game five situation but it was it was definitely an interesting week but i'll kick it to you wasabi first of what you remember or what stood out to you from the last time they all played yeah yeah i mean one was crazy of course is is zane not dropping a single game last week i thought that was really good but what impressed me the most was honestly the what i was shocked by Funny enough, my favorite set of, of week two that I got the most hype for was Kalamazoo versus Wizrow for Division mm. One relegation. I was not expecting that set to 
be as entertaining, especially considering Wizzy had like 3.6 openings on week one against Keizu and it was a like quick 3-0. Um, but Kalamazoo really brought it back and it was so close. He could have taken it 3-1 and, and didn't clutch out on an edge guard and it went down to last talk. It was a nail biter and, and really, really fun to watch. But for me, the biggest storyline going in is actually a complete flip of Division 2. All of the people who came up through the Frame Perfect Series qualifier actually are now in Division 2. So we, we got a completely new roster to talk about now um, with half the players switching out. And I think that is what I'm most excited for for Week 3. And Brentos, what stood out to you the last time everybody played? Yeah, I was actually going to bring up that Keizu set too with Wizzy. That set was, I, as a, as someone who, I dual main Peach and Falco, so I love watching Keizu anytime I can. And yeah, he he looked really good in that matchup. And it came down to him missing like one edge guard and Wizzy kind of just brought it back. And I'm also super excited for the new blood in there. You know, I'm I'm biased towards Texas players, so... I'm super happy to see Albert in there. I want to see him make some noise and mess some people up. Let's go, Texas Melee. We can start with Albert's story a little bit, and Brentos, you'd be able to talk about that a little bit more, but just one thing that I noticed, Albert is the only unsponsored player in SCL, starting yep. like with Division One and Division Two. You know, representing the little guy, if you will. But Albert's been playing for a long time and is and is a very good Falco. But you can speak to that better than we can. You want to give a quick update or TLDR of what what Albert's done up to now? Yeah, Albert. Um, so FX and Tourney Locator, the two big Texas sponsors, kind of like the local sponsors. Albert was on FX for a while. I don't know if he left them. If he's talking to people about being sponsored or what, I haven't reached out to him, but. I might talk to him about that just to see, because I noticed that too. He's the only unsponsored player, and I mean, on a good day, Albert's easily top twenty. I think he's. I mean, he's got some names under his belt. I think it was Low Tier City Six. I think it was six, either six or seven. He beat a uh, he beat Hungry Box off stream, um, and kind of whooped him. And so Albert's got some really big names under his belt. I'm really excited to watch him play, especially against Sunsei. I think that'll be a really good set, Albert and Sunsei, because I think they're pretty evenly matched, in my opinion. And then uh, also shout-outs to Ben making it through. Ben and Moki is going to be a pretty sick set, too. But for Albert, <clears throat> people sleep on Albert. He's got a he's, he's Falco, and he, he's super flashy, especially in the space he's ditto, so he's going to go pretty hard against Sunsei, but he's his, his Falco's very patient. He 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 got really patient and really good uh playing against Wobbles a lot when Wobble was was still kinda active in the locals. They would they would play a lot and Albert took a good number of sets from Wobbles before he kinda hung his controller up. So looking ahead to this week now that we're starting to get into the matches a little bit I guess we can start with Division 2, even though I think they'll play out, I want to say they'll play out Division 1 and then Division 2, but I forget as of right this second, and I didn't bother to look it up. So the oh, On the Division schedule, I got the, the schedule in front of me, and they're doing D2 first at 11, oh. and then um, and then it's going to be some relegation, and then it's going to go to uh, Division 1. Well, let's go. That that means that we can start with Division 2. And we'll start with Moki and Ben. 
Ben, the up-and-coming Sheik player, which is not fair to Ben, probably been playing for at least at least a few years. One cannot start playing melee and within a year get the results that Ben has, but I, I have not learned a lot about him myself, so I guess I to put pressure on Wasabi, I feel bad doing this. Do, how much do you know about uh, Ben's like uh, history leading up to now, or if you don't know a whole lot, like what do you see in a Sheik that... I don't want to say is different from other sheiks, but just like what stands out to you, Wasabi, and especially going up against Smokey. Yeah, yeah. So essentially, pretty much is from what I know about Ben, he came through the Midwest and um, he was already really good even before the Slippy era. Um, but I think we've seen like tremendous growth from him. I know he took a set from Absent Page pre-COVID, and and that's kind of what I've heard with the rumor of ben but you know really everyone was like who who the hell has ben at the start of the rollback era and you know with the you know advent of slippy and and rollback melee and him just you know getting i guess more and more well known in the community he's gotten more access to a lot of good players in practice like i remember seeing him playing zane like doing friendly so it's zane even and so i feel like along with him already being a really good player before quarantine and then also just then having the access to play players and slowly get easily more like better and better practice that's like what's contributed to his like big rise in terms of his chic style um i think he's just really really solid i think that like his ability to consistently take games off of hbox uh kind of speaks for itself where you know he he it's not that he's like a slow methodical chic you know i think he's really actually like pretty technical and quick when he needs to be but i think he has sort of that like maturity and patience that you see not even like some of the older players have and i think he just has like a very good like macro game plan that he is really disciplined in executing and can execute it to a t and and i think that's really the strength of it so it's gonna be really interesting how he's gonna handle kind of you know like moki who's like super fiery and like we might not know what the hell he's gonna do at any given moment and i think that like um it, it's kind of be it could be seen as sort of like a clash of styles even if they're not playing the same characters and brentos passing it on to you what do you think about this moki versus ben matchup what stands out to you uh i'm actually super interested in this because yeah i agree with everything was obviously said about ben uh, according to his twitter he's only 18 so he's you know He's some young blood in the scene, but he's taken, we've all seen he's taken a lot of names, including HBox a couple times. Moki, though, that's that's a really tough matchup for Sheik, especially a really, like, in-your-face, super technical fox like Moki. Sheik can just get absolutely smothered and run down with that. So I'm interested to see how he handles Moki, if maybe he can control the pace a little bit. But Ben's Sheik is, is very technical. He kind of reminds me of a blend of like Plup and Kirby Kaze when he was in his prime. I was when just he... going to say, yeah. <laughs> yeah, definitely has Kirby Kaze vibes for yeah. sure. I, I thought that when I started watching him during the Slippy era, because yeah, like you, the only thing I'd really heard about him before the Slippy era was that he'd taken a set off Absent Page, which that's another really technical in-your-face Fox. Not quite on the level as Moki, but just taking that set from Absent Page. I imagine he's probably going to go in with some confidence and have a pretty solid game plan, but that matchup can really go south for Sheik real fast if he's not able to just kind of control himself and control the pace and just have a really good mental attitude going in. 
I think it's a really tough mental battle for Sheik because you, you're going to get shined across the stage. It's You're going to get shined up smashed. It's going to happen. You just have to kind of let it go and stick to your plan. Yeah, and, I, I agree with that. Oh, sorry about that, Cypher. No, I'll, I'll pass it to you, Wasabi, this question that I have. Does it all boil down to whether or not Ben can get the grab, especially at low percents? That sort of, it, it accomplishes both him not being overwhelmed and comboed by Moki, and he also can do damage himself if he can get a grab and start doing some reaction tech chasing and all the things that she can do off of the grab. Is it that simple, or is it more complicated than that, Wasabi? Yeah, so I do think it's it's definitely more complicated than that, and, and she has a lot of tools to keep Fox out with her big hitboxes. So I would say more than just saying it's the grab, something adjacent that I think is more important is how Ben plays around Moki's low percent, lower percents, and and that's what I think the matchup will really boil down to because Moki will kind of just come in like a ball of hot fire. I'm expecting. And and the one thing I wanted to mention is that like Moki is is no slouch in, I mean he is a top ten player in this era and and he's also no slouch to the Sheik matchup. I remember um, him beating Swedish Delight at a SoCal event um, like a year and a half ago, as well. And Swedish Delight is a really 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 good Sheik again, very methodical, very good neutral, very smart player from New Jersey, and I think that like it's it's gonna boil down to is Ben going to cave under the pressure of Moki? Not necessarily whether he can get the grab and get something going. Yeah, I What I remember 100%. from the Kadoran versus Ben matchup from a week and a half ago is it's game five, and and Ben has the lower percent on the last stock, maybe like 20% versus Kadoran's like 120-something percent. But Kadoran's just hanging out at the ledge grabbing ledge, grabbing ledge. And I'm thinking to myself, is Ben going to force it? You know, is he going to outpatient Kadoran? Because Kadoran's kind of doing that thing where it's like, I've been playing for a really long time and I'm really experienced in this moment. And I'm going to see if you really want to try and come and get me. Cause <laughs> it feels like, it feels like Marth by the ledge is a very dangerous proposition for any other character and player. But, but Ben to his credit just kept, on center stage throwing some needles just just continually saying nope i'll be i'll be waiting whenever you're ready to come up here i was very impressed by that patience i, I didn't want to cut you off there brentos did you want to offer any other thoughts about this matchup no 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 you know we i think we i, I said my piece <laughs> no, <laughs> all right good, good deal so then we can move on to Sunsei versus albert and of course we gotta we gotta start with you brentos and Another another Canadian Fox player. I, I yeah, soon says Canada. And yep. Albert has such a great Falco and it's so cool to see Albert a little bit more active. I think at first that was not necessarily the case in the in the more of the beginning times of the slippy era. Not I mean to say I didn't see Albert enter in a lot of events, probably playing a lot, you know, with like the homies and whatnot. But I'm really excited yeah. about this matchup and we'll start with you, Brentos. What do you think? Yeah, I know for probably most of 2020 albert really wasn't super active in joining tournaments i know he's in the top player discord and he he was kind of like the falco practice for a lot of top players even like you know mango zane i think moki would hit him up ibdw a lot of players when they need to get ready for a falco they'd message albert and he'd play with them so i'm really happy to see him enter tournaments again because he's his falco is really really solid and he's just 
he's come a long way since when he started. I think he started around like 2014, maybe early 2015. I think 2014. Yeah. <clears throat> but he's a uh, that's that's another one because Sunsei <coughs> excuse me. Sunsei's not quite as in your face as Moki, but he's still he's still got that fire. Those Canadian foxes are they're real technical and they're real in your face. And Albert's really good at controlling really tech-heavy, really fast foxes. He's really good at just getting patient and shutting them down with lasers and, uh, you know, kind of like shine nair approaches, things like that. So I'm interested to see how that matchup goes because it could be a 3-0 either way or it could, you know, be a game five down to the wire. It really just depends on how both of them are feeling at the time. Wasabi, is it as cool as it sounds to be somebody's warm-up, like... Like, hey, I need games to warm up for this character. Does anybody want to hop on? Does it is it as cool as it sounds, or does it kind of get old hat after a while? And what do you think of the matchup? Yeah, so first thing is it, it doesn't get old. Uh, it's pretty hype, because it's kind of like you're the best player that isn't in the competition. And it's also just like, from a player's perspective, you're getting to play like the best players out there. And I think that's hard to do, especially as a spacey, just because of like, there's just so many of them in in the top 100, but you see players like Prince Abu, right, getting flown out to Summit, or Tyler Swift being, you know, like, the go-to practice partner for Zayn for, against Axe, right? And, like, he's a great, incredible player, but, you like, having access to, like, that sort of level of play is, is so big because it's not just about the practice that you're getting, but also you know, the fact that, like, you get to, you're, like, improve, you get access to, like, ask questions and learn from, like, like a top, top player. Granted, Albert's already a top player, <laughs> you know? I, I remember doing a few money matches with him at Shine, and, and honestly, I, I, to be honest, I don't think anyone, you know, during that Shine, like, fucked me up more than Albert. Like, it was a quick 3-0, gave him my five bucks a few times. Uh, he's an incredible, incredible Falco. Um... I think that it's going to be a really even match overall. I think Sunsei is really, really strong in the matchup. And I wonder, and I think he has the speed to handle Albert, but I also uh, felt that like when he was playing Ginger last time, there were just some things that he would kind of like just run into like standard Falco things. And so I'm just wondering if Albert can pick that up. The other thing I'm thinking about is Albert's kind of living on already a second life, considering that he honestly was going to, you know, be down 2-0 against Lucky, and then Lucky SD'd, and then Albert clawed his way back uh, uh, for a game 5 to, to take Lucky out. And I really think that, like, this is a good moment for him to shine. The only thing I worry about is him being very open about uh, splitting his time with Melee and trying to reach a certain rank level in Valorant. I think it was, like, Plat or something, I, or Radiant. I don't know Valorant elo rankings but you know and so i'm just wondering is how much he he is prepping for this or if he put down the valorant you know practice right now to to focus on week three of the slippy championship league summit champions league don't worry uh brent does do you have any inside info or is uh or we're we just gonna speculate on whether or not uh albert's pulling too heavy of an hbox card here yeah i think I don't really know exactly. I know that he'd been playing Valorant a lot, and I I believe he was platinum. But I'm I'm like Wasabi. I don't know all the ELO. I don't really pay attention to Valorant that much. But I know he was playing it a lot. I think just knowing Albert, I think that he's probably since he's in D two now, he's probably going to focus on melee pretty hard because he usually gives everything gives gives it everything he, he has. He's 
a pretty good competitor that way. So I think now he's probably he's probably had been doing some warm ups and and uh, watching old Sensei matches just to look at habits and stuff. And that is the incredible thing, like, in all of this. It's such a big compliment for anyone who's not in a competition being asked to warm up because it used to be in LAN, it was just whoever was there. That's why you would fly people like Prince Abu around because, hey, that's the second best Jigglypuff or that's the Jigglypuff we want to be here to warm up against. And now there's like an access to your entire region or the entire east coast or the entire west coast whatever the case may be that that's really cool really cool to hear that albert's been active in in his own way leading up to more recently and this will be a fun matchup but let's keep it moving for the next matchup we have hbox hungrybox versus Colball, who i assumed was west coast for some reason but i was just learning before we got started actually based in Georgia currently. So this is going to be about as low paying as it can get, um, Florida to Georgia. So I'll I'll pass it to you, Wasabi. What do you think about this matchup? Yeah, so this is probably the matchup that I'm most excited for for D2, and and there's a few reasons for it. Cobol has always, you know, Cobol is such an old school player as well, coming up around a similar time as HBox. Um, I don't know exactly the years, but, you know, he is an old school player like him. But they actually both, you know, were like hail from Florida, right? Cobal was in Florida for the longest time. They played together at polarity tournaments so many times. And Cobal has always been that fox that against HBox seemed to like almost, almost be able to do it. Like every time. Like it sometimes it was game five, sometimes he would SD out of nowhere in typical cold ball fashion. And and but he always like just like had hbox's number to a certain extent but never to the amount where he could kind of like get everything together to take the full set um that being said cobalt i think is is amazing against the puff matchup uh despite him being like a super crazy wacky puff i think he he is really really good at it from you know all the years uh playing against hbox at locals and so i'm really curious if he can take this one i think that he definitely is a player too, and and I know we are seeing a resurgence of HBox at the same time. So it's going to be really interesting. I don't think like I can call it for for either one, but it is good to see also HBox like you know improving in form as well, entering a bunch of locals and, or online events, and and also taking IBW to game five was was a good sign for him. So you know it's it's really tough to call, but it's it's going to be old friends playing again for sure. Oh, that's really cool. I yeah, I'm getting educated as well over here, and that's really cool to hear that there's like history, uh, especially D two matchups where this is definitely definitely a buzzsaw of a division. So this is really cool, and it um it makes me think about how Hungrybox has not been quite to the level where he's supposed to be, according to what he was pre quarantine era pre slippy era but finally doing something that all of the other melee players have been doing since the beginning of the slippy era and playing melee just about every day wow how about that which is really cool by the way i'm not trying to demean too much uh, i'll pass it on to you brentos though what do you think about hbox versus call ball yeah i uh, t- just to piggyback on everything wasabi was saying i think that's it's it's going to be a really fun set to watch just because of how Hungrybox has been placing and he's kind of been dividing his time everywhere, so it hasn't been super melee focused. <clears throat> According to Smash Data GG, 
all of the sets that they actually have recorded between HBox and Cobalt, it's three two or three twelve. Uh, so HBox has, you know, obviously been beating them way more than Cobalt has. Cobalt's taken three sets though, but with the way HBox has been playing, you know, he's been streaming a lot, doing ultimate, not just playing in tournaments but TOing tournaments. So depending on how he's dividing his time, Cobalt could honestly take it, especially. But you know that that IBDW set is a good look for HBox going into this because I don't think he's going to have to focus on Cobalt as hard as he would someone like IBDW or even like Moki or Sunsei. But Cobalt's been around the block and they were in the same scene for a long time in Central Florida. So I feel like Cobalt, out of any of the foxes, knows pretty much all of Hungrybox's tricks, which is going to be heavily in Cobalt's favor the way that Hungrybox has been dividing his time. I feel like Hungrybox is really going to have to really focus for this particular set just because it is Cobalt and they go back so far. And Cobalt has taken three sets from him in the past. And so I don't really have any other thoughts, but Wasabi, I don't want to leave before I offer you any closing thoughts you have for this. Yeah, yeah. I mean, just the last thing is I think Cobalt is just like one of those like super momentum-based streaky players. So it just depends on what we see in the day, but I was even looking at their most recent set, and then that was at at the qualifier frame perfect series, uh, and it went to game five. So again, like it, it, it's just like is anything up to the table? And and sometimes you know what separates it is is Cobalt playing from <laughs> with three stocks or four stocks because he infamously has a lot of really really rough <laughs> SDs at times during during tournament sets. Yeah, it's not a Cobalt set if he doesn't SD trying to ledge dash at least once. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. Oh, poor Cobalt. <laughs> but uh, hooray for Uncle Punch. Hopefully that'll be less of a thing. But we'll see. It's going to be exciting to watch on Sunday. Last D2 match, Keizu versus Plup. This uh, this this one stands out to me, but uh, I'll, I'll hold back my noob thoughts. I'll pass it on to you, Brentos. What do you think about this matchup here, Keizu versus Plup? As a Sheik main, or I was a Sheik main for a long time, and I play a lot of Peach now. I'm super stoked to watch this one because I think these two guys are really at the top of their game. Keizu, arguably the best Peach right now. I think Laud probably is, but Keizu's been entering a lot more than Laud has, and Keizu's results have been coming in strong. The only thing is this this matchup is super rough for Peach, especially when you have a Sheik player as patient and as technical as Plup. I feel like he's going to do a lot of, you know, like low low needles to grab, stuff like that. Casey's really going to have to watch out for a lot of Plup's tricky platform movement. <clears throat> but I'm excited to watch this set. Unfortunately, I think it might... I it, Plup is obviously heavily favored in this, and I think that's probably going to be what the results are. But you never know, because Casey's taken some crazy games and crazy sets from people. One of my favorite tweets that Hacks Money ever sent was uh, Keizu's greater than Armada when he almost lost to him at Big House 4. Wow. Right after that? <laughs> yeah. yeah. He uh, Hacks barely beat Keizu and then tweeted Keizu greater than Armada. I love that tweet. <laughs> Wow, uh, that's so impressive. Only, only hacks money. I mean, there's just very few Smash people who can just tweet stuff like that, and everybody goes, "Wow, that's an opinion." But I mean, yeah, sure.
<laughs> I feel like that's that's Hax's whole career on Twitter is just looking at his tweets and going, well, that's an opinion. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Wasabi, I'll pass it to you. What do you think about uh, Kalamazoo versus Plop? Yeah. You know, it's it's hard to I know I know Keizu is is going to be prepping for this and I think it's going to be really interesting to watch. I I'm having trouble uh distancing distancing myself to uh to the Plup club, you know? And and I think it's calling to me a little bit. And and the reason why <laughs> is I think that Plup is just so the way he plays is so fast and and makes it so tough for Peach, especially his platform play. And I think that like, let's not forget he was you know the first sheik to to take uh to beat Armada right and and actually force him off of Peach, uh, and and I'm just having trouble overlooking that and 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 I actually don't have a, and and partially why and I want to be completely um transparent with it is is actually I don't recall watching Keizu versus a sheik so I actually don't know how hard he hits. I'm assuming he hits as hard as he does with every other matchup, as he showed us with um, the Kadoran set, especially uh, during the week two. But I just actually haven't seen Keizu versus Ashik, so I'm actually going in a little bit blind here, um, and and partially why I sound a little plot biased, just because of that's where my knowledge lies. Yeah, I I'm thinking. I'm I'm thinking about the fact that it's another East to West Coast connection, and I think that part of the. I, this is me just uh, theorizing here, but I feel like that Plup's like relative inactivity, not that he's been totally missing or anything, uh, maybe perhaps at times, but leading up to now, it feels like the, 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 the longer connections or the higher ping connections seem to maybe perhaps, I don't want to say completely get under his skin. It's not like he throws salt everywhere during these SCL like sets that he plays in, but I do feel like that because of his play style or, or whatever else, Plup sort of like, you know, like any other melee player really wants to have it be as crisp and as clean as possible. I'm curious about the way that Keizu has been playing these coast-to-coast matchups like week after week, having to specifically go against Wizrobe to try to break into Division One the past two weeks and then if <laughs> I don't know if it, I don't think it's going to happen this week if Keizu manages to win, but I am interested by not only can Keizu do the homework for the Sheik matchup and possibly make that look manageable, but I'm also interested to see like, are there going to be like, is this going to be the set in Division Two that's most affected by the by the connection piece of all in all of this but hopefully it won't be like horrendous or bad or there was a disconnect last time between moki and gatsu so hopefully something like that won't happen but either way it's going to be interesting to see who takes it uh any other closing thoughts brantos or wasabi uh yeah i mean just to piggyback again on what wasabi was saying plup is really really good at the peach matchup so that's it's not looking good for Keizu in that department. But I will say on that kind of higher ping uh, connection, that might work in Keizu's favor. Because I think Peach is one of the characters that really is not affected by ping as much as a character like Sheik or Falco or Fox or Falcon. A lot of the faster characters, the slower characters seem to not be as heavily affected by it. So that might weigh in his favor. And that's kind of unfortunate that it's, you know, it's an online tournament. So that's that's the one thing he's got going for him in this matchup. <clears throat> I think that 
because Fluff really hasn't been super active and he is so good at the Peach matchup, I don't know how much preparation he's really going to do for Keizu going into it. I would imagine probably little to none. And I feel like Keizu is really going to be playing against a lot of Sheiks and really trying to uh, grind that out. So, I mean, we'll see how it goes. I think it's going to be a good set regardless, but I would be I would be very surprised if Plup did not win. And Wasabi, anything for you? No, I think that's it. I'm, I'm trying to go in uh, as uh, as unbiased as possible, especially because I think Sheiks, or not Sheiks, uh, Peaches in the online era is, is a rare commodity. So so I'm hoping uh, to stay neutral for, for that fact, because I think, uh, you know, Peach representation has been a little bit low since Armada retired. Oh, for sure. And... And it also doesn't help that the other Peach mainstays have been a little less active overall as a, as an entire group. But Peach is still like definitely fun things to appreciate about the character. I want to give a <laughs> I'll give a plug for you, Wasabi. You had a great interview with PGH Carol, and it was just so fun to hear. Like, who who? What's a character that you really like, Carol? And and he said peach oh wait wait what you said peach so yeah this is going to be really fun to watch is what i'm getting at and listen to the wannabes podcast going on to division one we'll uh have to speed this up a little bit i guess don't want to take up too much time past an hour and we're at like 30 minutes already so we got division one we have zane and ginger and it's not looking good for Ginger. I'll just say that. But Wasabi, you could probably put it better than that. What What is going to make this really hard for Ginger to beat Zane? Yeah, so I think, you know, at this point, you know, even Zane admitted that Falco is, is definitely one of his his comfort mashups. And I and I think it really shows. I mean, we, we all know it. So I don't think there's too much to talk about, like, Zane's capability of beating Ginger. But... You know, what I think Ginger has going for him again is access to the drug fox knowledge and, and the amount of work and his work ethic to take those lessons into and make it into tangible results. And and we've seen that with like the graph he posted of his win percentages over over the years since he started doing drug fox lessons and him improving consistently as a player to now being like a top ten player in this era. I think, you know, for Ginger, he is also really capable of it. Like he um what there was an MDVA tournament where he took Zane to game five, if I recall, and 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 so it really shows that he is capable of it, and he isn't just like he doesn't play like Mango in, in terms of like how he does it. He takes bits of it, but he has his own spin on it, and I think that's what I'm really looking at and and wondering if that more like frame, not frame nerd, but like just like you know being more detail oriented. Uh, will I'm looking to see what he like kind of pulls out of his bag of tricks because I think it's very very different compared to like what Mangos Falco brings to the table and and one example of that I think is like his awareness against Sunsei in the D1 relegation match where he just knew to STI up on on Sunsei's jabs and then just got a and then shined him and then uh took his stock for it you know and so I think that's what I'm most excited for regarding Ginger Zane you know he is. 100% capable of doing it. It's just Zane is such a mountain of a player. Especially right now. And Brantos, I'll pass it on to you. What do you think about Ginger versus Zane? Yeah, I agree with everything Wasabi said. It's going to be... I mean, Zane is clearly the number one player in the world during the Sleepy Era, and Falco is a matchup that he's really, really good at. 
it's it's kind of it's kind of difficult for any Falco not named Mango to take a set from him. And I mean, we saw what happened like a week and a half ago. Zane just three owed Mango, and it was you know it was handshake three owed a handshake. <clears throat> so I'm interested to see how Ginger approaches this. And I agree with everything Wasabi said about Ginger's work ethic and how he's been practicing doing the drug box lessons. One thing I would like to see from him though is maybe maybe looking at some of what Mango does and kind of the uh, the neutral micro transactions of the of the exchange when they're playing. I think Mango really has a handle on on his micro and how to get in on Zane or escape some of Zane's traps when he's really on. And I think Ginger could maybe watch some of those and learn a thing or two. But I'm interested to see how it goes. I think I think no one expects anyone but Zane to win. He's he's obviously the clear favorite to win the whole thing, I think, right now. But I'd be interested to see how Ginger approaches this, because I think he definitely has the skill to beat Zane. He just needs to be able to apply that skill for, you know, five whole games. And that's really the, the struggle that it's coming to, because Zane, like Wasabi said, Zane has spoken to the fact that Falco is a comfort matchup for him. And he considers the Fox matchup to be much more difficult than Falco, even though, you know, that matchup's 6-4, as all the Fox mains like to say. But he thinks <laughs> yeah. he, he thinks Fox is a lot harder to play against than Falco. And you can tell by watching him play basically any other Falco that he kind of feels at home playing against that character, which is kind of a bummer for Ginger. But I think Ginger really has the work ethic and the skill to do it. I think he can take a set off Zane. We just need to see him apply that for, you know, a whole 15 to 20 minute set, which is the real difficult part. And Zane's appearance on Radio Melee, was, he was more or less like talking about how he feels like Mango is like the one spacey player who will try to smother him in neutral more or less and force Zane to scrap. And he feels like Marth as a character is not really meant for like that sort of thing and is is better at the medium range and and using that big old sword and the swinging and all that fun stuff. I put it in a worse way, but when when talking about Mango specifically, he's saying, yeah, the Mango plays me differently than any other Spacey, than any other Falco. And I don't know, or I don't think that Ginger's move is to play like Mango. I think he should still play like Ginger. It's just continuing to do the thing that all melee players eventually learn to do, which is take a little bit of everything and apply it to the game, practice, go over sets, talk to the coach if that's Drugged Fox or whoever else, and hey, if we need to pick up this sort of thing and add it in because it works against this specific matchup, this specific player, then that's what Ginger will do. I, I love how over the years and more recently in the Slippy era, Ginger really seems to very methodically and very purposefully improve. It's so cool to see like the the come up and the fact that we can all say, yeah, Ginger's top 10. Really, really cool. But before we move on, any closing thoughts from either of you with this matchup? I think, uh, you know, just to kind of close on it, um, the you, you mentioned, you know, Zane being like, Mango rushes me down a little more, doesn't give me space to kind of breathe at closer threat ranges. And I think that's what's really going to be what I'm looking to see Ginger change the most is is I think that he just naturally, you know, as a player plays slower than Mango and, and most of the community plays slower than Mango, truthfully, yes. uh, <laughs> if not all. But I'm really curious to see um, what he can take away uh, for it and if he can kind of like 
push that playstyle a little bit more without losing his own flair to it. And I don't think he'll actually lose his own flair to it. But I'm just wondering if he like how how he'll kind of do his take on it because uh, even Mango has, has said like when Zane is given the chance to set up shop, he he is the you know impossible to kind of break into. And and I think that's what's going to be really interesting about it. Brent, has anything from you? No, I, I agree with that, with what he was saying. And yeah, that's that's pretty much all I have on that matchup right now. It's gonna be uh, it's gonna be tough for Ginger, but I I do think that he can do it. And now we move on to S2J versus IBDW. This this is gonna be really fun to watch, just because I feel like there's always a little bit of something different that each Falcon brings, and of course. IBDW has gotten so much better at the Falcon matchup in the in the past year and a half or so, or maybe two years now. I'm really excited to watch this. I, I feel like just because it, S2J has been around much, much longer than IBDW has, and yet somehow I feel like they've both really improved, really started to put together not only strong placings, but also wins in the online era, like in tournaments. So, I'm I'm really curious to see how it'll how it'll look on Sunday when they play each other. But we'll start with Wasabi. Who would you say in in your own way that when you play against Falcons, it's a comfort matchup as a Fox player? Um, I don't know. It, it's 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 tough. I think I I do really like the the Falcon matchup. Um, and and I think it's just like. In the most, re- I just listened to the radio melee uh, this week with- featuring none, and and I think he phrased it really well. Where you know, if Falcon is is on his like good day, he he looks like you know like an incredible player. Like he he's just an incredible character that's hard to stop, and and possibly the most explosive out of out of all the cast. It's just that when he's on a bad day, he looks really really bad. Um, that being said, both players are in, in incredible form. And I think when you're thinking about like the Fox uh, Falcon matchup, the thing to really look at are are just how um, IBW is able to play around Falcon's zones because you know as a character Fox is just a little bit more flexible and can play at different threat ranges versus Falcon. Kind of his best threat ranges are his immediate like aerial range from like a short hop, like just like right up in his face where he has access to like gentlemen and like all of his aerials that kind of can stuff Fox's stubby moves. And then also a little bit longer distance where um, it's kind of the full distance of his short hop aerial range. And I think, um, you know, to all the top Falcons are kind of a master at playing there. And then it's really just like, can the Fox, you know, either be completely out of that range or kind of in that middle range where where Falcon can't put out an aerial, like a full distance short hop aerial fast enough, or an aerial in place will get whiff punished. And I think that's what Cody or IBDW has really, really improved on. Most recently, you see him playing maybe a little bit more grounded compared to his classic full hop style while while still going to, to full hops for, for a lot of his stuff. And then obviously having the punish game to kind of like one-touch Falcon. And I think that's kind of the interaction that... I'm looking for between both of those players, considering that they kind of go back and forth and, and it's going to be a really close match. Brentos, what do you think about S2J versus IBDW? Um, this might be honestly the, the match, this, the set that I'm looking the most forward to in division one, just because these players are so, so close together and in, in their skill 
and they do go back and forth constantly. S2J is kind of riding a high right now. I think he hasn't gotten lower than third in all of the majors he's entered in 2021, I believe, and he won that Galint Open uh, about a month ago. So he's kind of riding that high right now. And, you know, the the discourse on Twitter right now for all the SUJ fanboys is, you know, SUJ might be number three in North America. He Maybe he should be ranked above IBDW. <clears throat> I think it's a little premature to say that, but I think this set might kind of solidify where they are in terms of right now. I honestly think it could go either way. IBDW is really good at that matchup. He's had a lot of really good practice. You know, Captain Smucker's up there in New York, a top 100 Falcon that he's been able to just beat up on and really learn that matchup. But at the same time, SUJ is arguably the best Falcon against Fox players. I mean, he he lives super close to Mango and Lucky, so he's been playing with them for over a decade. He knows that matchup like the back of his hand. So I'm really looking forward to this one because I think it's going to be super entertaining. And it honestly could go either way. It just depends on, honestly, who's playing better that day. And as exciting as it is to go, yeah, battle for number three, it's also like, wait, this isn't battle for number one, though. Ugh. Wasabi, do you have any closing thoughts for this matchup between S2J and IBDW? Yeah, yeah. Um, I think to close it off, I, I went really hard on like kind of the Falcon Fox, like how, how those two characters kind of interact with each other. But but honestly, I, I do think that SJ and, and IBDW kind of, you know, being, you know, top three players in, in Melee right now kind of have transcended that. And then I'm glad Rentos brought it up because it's like it really will just depend on the day. And I think that's what makes this lineup so exciting or this, this set in particular is because like, it's not about like X character versus X character. It's really coming down to just like SJ versus IBW, similar to like how we talk about Mango and Zane. We don't say, Oh, it's Falco Marth. We just say, no, it's Mango versus Zane. And I feel like this is, has that sort of similar presence and, and weight to it. Ooh, that's a 100 right there. I love that, Wasabi. I'm going to go ahead and move us on to Mango versus Gatsu. And Brentos, what do you think about Mango beating Gatsu? Wait, did I say that? Yeah, you did. And I think that's pretty much what it's going to be, Mango. None being the only outlier taking a set at EGLX 2019 from Mango. Other than that, Mango hasn't lost to a Captain Falcon since like 2009, 2010. Something like that when he when he last lost to Silent Spectre. This is Mango's... This is Mango's batch matchup, and I think he is absolutely far and away probably the best all-time player against Captain Falcon. You know, he chooses to play against Captain Falcons in round one for a reason, because he knows they're not going to beat him. I would be very surprised if it wasn't a 3-0, honestly. Gatsu's been on the come-up. I've been a Gatsu fan for a long time, and I really love what he's done with the character. But I just, unfortunately, he's got to play the brick wall that is Mango against Falcon. And Mango just does not lose that matchup. And Wasabi, I'll pass it on to you. Yeah, I, you know, it's hard to really believe in in the Falcon right now. Gatsu is an amazing player, but we're talking about Mango. I think the, the biggest thing is kind of just going to see, this is kind of his, like, right, Gatsu kind of finally made it to Division 1, like, whether or not he wins, it's going to be really, really interesting in terms of how how he fares against like the best of the best in the upper echelon. And I think regardless of the result, that's what I'm looking more to. 
you know, for Mango, it's just like his round one. But for Gatsu, I think there's a lot more weight in it, especially because they haven't played like a lot, really. Like from what I'm looking at through uh, VOD.co slash Melee, they they played the only VOD of them is from Big House to, uh, 8, which was back in 2018. And Gatsu is an, an incredibly better and different player from then. Uh, he he needs more and it hits it hits harder, apparently now. Uh, <laughs> but um, so I'm kind of just curious to see how this like fourth Falcon style will kind of work against Mango and and um, and just kind of see it there. I, I don't think. I think it could easily be a 3-0, but, but I could see it being a 3-1 as well. Um, but it, it's really just kind of like this is the beta test for Gatsu against the, the upper echelon and, and facing the, the Falcon Slayer Mango. And I feel like that, I mean, Mango's just doing the right thing by, by picking Falcon, and I've been impressed by how he hasn't been caught by looking ahead per se. I, I, I ha- I'm sure that the temptation is Mango's looking forward to playing against Zane at the end. Zane's looking forward to playing against Mango at the end. But thus far in the two weeks, they've both reached each other one way or another and taken care of business, if you will. And to Gatsu's credit, started off week one, not even in division two, had to qualify through the bracket, then got into division two. And then in week two, went from division two to division one. And, can he do anything to prove that he belongs in Division One more than just trying to ward off a Division Two winner, but also getting further in the single elimination bracket? The answer to me is, well, no, Mango's going to beat him pretty solidly. But it is going to be interesting to see how the first game starts off. Can Gatsu start off strong, or is it like a little slow out of the gate and Mango can just sort of autopilot through and just... <laughs> to stock him or jb3 him that sort of thing and then just finish off the 3-0 it'll be interesting and brentos i'll pass it to you to finish this one off any closing thoughts that you have for for gatsu versus mango yeah i think it'll be a fun set to watch just because i think mango versus any falcon is fun i think they're two really fun characters to watch but <clears throat> the whole 20 gx movement that you know gatsu was a part of with gravy and wizrobe wizrobe is you know, clearly the best Falcon of the three, I think, at least free slippy he's he's the most consistent, and I think even still he's probably he's he's the best Falcon of those. But Gatsu brings a really different style than Wizzy. He doesn't really play like Wizzy. He's he's still kinda of patient, he still goes for the tech chases, but I feel like he's much more explosive than Wizzy. Wizzy likes to, you know, really play way more methodically and slow. And Gatsu has a lot of those aspects in his play. But I feel like he gets aggro way more than than Wizzy does, and I don't know how well that playstyle works against Mango because he's just so good at shutting Falcon down and just playing with him basically. So it's it's going to be a fun set to watch. But I really I don't think I don't think anyone in the world expects Mango to not win that set, except for one or two maybe like degenerates who are just trying to get a lot of BTS channels uh, points. You get it. So let's move on to SFAT versus Wizrobe. That's the final D1 matchup that we have for Sunday. And I've been a little bit of an SFAT fanboy, especially after he got me a lot of channel points last week, beating IBDW in round one of division one. But anyway, I'll, I'll just say for my part, I'm really interested to see, SFAT going up against a Captain Falcon now, uh, or at least to start off Division 1. 
now I'm struggling to remember whether or not he played against one of the Falcons uh, in the last... Oh, no, he lost to Zane. Never mind. So I'm interested to see how this set goes between SFAT and Wizro, but I do feel like since there's been time for both of them to prep for each other, I really feel like it's going to be close at first, and then it just depends on who gets the first big stock, the first big move, and then it kind of builds from there in favor of that player. But I'll pass it to you, Wasabi, first. What do you think about SFAT versus Wizrobe? Yeah, I mean, I feel like they have a really storied history. I feel like they always run into each other either to make top eight or, you know, you know first, like, losers round of top eight. And and really my thought is is that it could really swing either way. I think their their player history is is long and, and really well recorded in you know prior to to covid. Um the thing that I'm really thinking about here is are we going to see it's is it like can Sfat kind of ride the momentum of him, you know, playing really well, right? Starting out in division 2 and he's cemented his place in in division 1 now and I think that is is really important right and then and he's just been in such good form versus you know like Wizrobe can kind of just explode out of nowhere when everything kind of clicks and that's kind of really where where my head is at it's 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 really too hard to to call and and both you know both players will be prepping super super hard for for each other and Brentos what do you think about this matchup between Sfat and Wizrobe yeah, I love their history. I mean, they've played so many sets. Uh, their set count from SFAT's perspective is 9 and 15. So Wizzy has you know a pretty sizable lead having you know 15 sets against SFAT's 9 when they meet in the head-to-head. But you know it's still pretty close in SFAT. <clears throat> so I'm interested to see how they both kind of prep and come into this. But you know, to mirror what Wasabi was saying, I think it really could swing either way. Both players, I think, are very evenly skilled. Uh, Sfat, always been a solid player, but I've been really impressed with him in kind of the past, like, six months. He's really, I feel like he's kind of, like, blown up a little bit in the past six months in the Slippy era, and he's been way more active, and that definitely works in his favor. But <clears throat> Wizrobe is also really good at this matchup. Wizrobe's really patient, and Sfat, you know, more of a kind of spastic, sporadic player. Uh, the only thing that I think is weighing in Wizrobe's favor, other than maybe like a slight skill gap above Sfat, is that Wizrobe is much more consistent. Sfat kind of uh, he his highs are really high, but then he can you know he can hit a low low, and he really just needs to learn that consistency in his gameplay that sort of Wizrobe has. Wizrobe always kind of plays as good as he's going to play. Even his B and C game don't look that different than his A game. I feel like SFAT doesn't have that benefit, but hopefully, you know, he can shut the haters up. I think it's going to be a good set regardless, and it really could go either way. But I think Wizrobe is probably the favorite to win this set coming up this weekend. Wasabi, what are your closing thoughts for this matchup? Yeah, you know, sort of closing thoughts. It's kind of one of those it's one of those where I don't know how to call it, but I would bet money it's a game five. And I, and I think that's sort of, that's sort of my thought on it. it. You know, it's, it's another Fox versus Falcon set. And I'm just curious on like SFAT's take in the matchup um, compared to, you know, everyone, there's a lot of um, not pressure, but eyes on like the top four Falcons right now. And that being a storyline. And, and so I'm just curious on 
on SFAT's take in that matchup. It is crazy how there's there's four <laughs> there's four Falcons uh, in no sorry none is not in either divisions right now at the moment. We'll see how the qualifiers go. And you know what? Wow, what a transition! I did that by accident. Let's talk a little bit about the Levo. 13 no levo 14 qualifier for scl this is the Mm -hmm. last opportunity that non-division one division two players can have a chance to get into division two heading into week four because there's not going to be a qualifier for week four so if y'all i sent a link to y'all you don't have to have it super super handy i'm just looking at i got it open no worries so looking at some of the names here, I'll start with you, Brentos. Do you have that up in front of you? And, and do any names stand out to you as possible players to at least qualify for a chance to get into Division Two? Yeah, I have it open. I think um, <clears throat> I think any of the top players that aren't in Division Two right now that are trying to qualify could definitely make it. I mean, Lucky obviously could could fight his way back up to D two. I think Captain Face Roll is kind of a sleeper pick. Uh, Chudak could even do it. Magi, I think, is a is a name that a lot of people don't have on their list, but she could do it. <clears throat> and so I think those are the ones that I'm probably going to be looking at the most: Face Roll, Lucky, Chudat, and Magi. I think those four are probably the four favorites to win. But then you have sleepers like Slug. I mean, Slug's been putting in hard work with his ICs. Uh, Bones, Eddie Mexico, and his Luigi could sneak in. I mean, there's a lot of really, really good players playing in Levo this coming weekend, and they're all uh, a lot of them are really, really strong players that could kind of sneak in that a lot of maybe a lot of spectators don't have them on their list. And but Wasabi, yeah, think... oh, sorry, go ahead, Brentus. <laughs> no, I was just gonna say, I think those four of uh, Lucky, Face Roll, Trudat, and Magi, those are the four that I would really be looking out for. Uh, that's interesting that you say that. Sorry, Wasabi, give me a minute. Chudat over Slug as the possible ICs to get into a, a qualifier spot? Uh, I think so, just from the experience. I think experience goes a really long way in Melee, more so than it does in a lot of other games, just having that background. And I mean, Chudat has been in the scene longer than almost anyone. So he's he's seen all of the tricks that his opponent's going to throw at him. And I think that, you know, that really benefits older players. But Slug, I mean, Slug's putting in work and Slug's no slouch. So, I mean, I would personally lean towards Chudat as the Icy's favorite to make it out. I don't know if any Icy's actually are. It's kind of sad that, you know, Icy's aren't really super represented in this era. But without wobbling, you know, a lot of the top Icy's just kind of moved on. (laughs) I wonder why. No, I'm kidding. I I personally would say I'm I'm cool with wobbling, but that's because I have not been wobbled a ton in my life. So Wasabi, I'll pass it on to you. What players stand out to you as possible qualifiers for getting into Division Two potentially? Yeah. So you know, I'll start off with the icy one. Um, and and I do think you know one of my guesses will be an icy spot i'm much more in the slug camp versus the chew dak camp mainly because i think slug um is more used to this this meta i haven't really seen chew that playing it feels like he's kind of just entering this this last one <laughs> that will count and and you know granted i don't know that um but slug has just been way more active in this new era and while you know i think people 
over talk about the meta changing a lot. I think regarding ICs, that's really fair with with wobbling not being allowed. And I think Slug has been pushing the character way more in this modern era versus Chudat, who was always good without wobbling, but was always a player that would wobble in in bracket. And and even when he made his summit run, um, you know, whatever Smash Summit that he made it to. Um, you know, he he wobbled for for all of that, and when he you know took Hbox down, you know, would took Hbox to game five, he wobbled for that, and and very understandably so. I'm not saying wobbling, uh, that he it was unjustified, but I think Slug has just been pushing the meta way more, and and he's used to these new players that have slightly newer options and and know how to play against ice climbers without wobbling, and I think that might have a little bit more of a hard time adapting to that because a lot of players just aren't as scared anymore you know unless you're a sheik and then you'll just get chain grabbed um (laughs) but aside from that i think one person that i um one thing i just have to mention before continuing choosing the players is i'm i'm very surprised that hbox is is entering levo the day before slippy and and i'm just curious on how that will affect sort of like rankings and if there might be a need there might need to be a qualifier match at the end of this all to kind of decide the final person, you know, whoever gets fifth place or whatever. But I think, um, you know, the key standouts for me is one, I don't know why Aklo is on page three, but he is definitely entering. He, he's on page three. And, and I think that he is a favorite to make it into, into, you know, back into Slippy. And then I think also I'd have to go double SoCal and and choose, in my head, Kadoran and Face Roll. So I actually think that my four would be Slug, Face Roll, Kadoran, and Aklo. Um, I really don't think, I think that it's time for an ICs to go in, mainly because there aren't a lot of hard counters to ICs now that Cobol is in week you know in is in uh, division two and him being kind of the icy slayer and i don't see a lot of peaches as well um magi i think you know the players who i believe can make it depending on like how their run is or how their internet you know is treating them is obviously lucky magi uh rocky eddie mexico and then my sleeper picks would be j flex and bones um, as kind of my sleeper picks because those two players have been performing really really well in the online era what about wasabi i, c- I couldn't help but notice you're on page two there <laughs> I, I i literally entered <laughs> as we right before we started talking um <laughs> no i'm still on the box i'm still adjusting and and stuff like that to the box uh but but hope i just wanted to enter just in case i'm feeling well enough after the second vaccine but it, it is very much up in there for me still and and i'm not gonna uh, you know i'll be happy making it to like a into the pro bracket uh you know a few rounds into the pro bracket more than anything else but if i could cause an upset i'll take it for sure and i also wanted to give a shout out to fan chris as well the central pa uh, really really good falco player who Drowned in pools for the last qualifier, so did not quite work out that way. But hopefully this will be a better performance for him. And J-Flex is also a great sleeper pick as well. I'll agree with you there, Wasabi, because J-Flex has been top eighting, top three-ing some of these online events. And granted, it's not like all these 
you know, Division One, Division Two players are in the same bracket, but JFlex has been entering in a lot of events and has been steadily improving, I feel like. So that'd be interesting to see that Sheik. And if 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 Chudat and especially Slug, in my opinion, if, if they have to go up against a Sheik like JFlex, then it's not going to be super great there. But uh, Brentos, don't want to leave you out. What are you thinking to close out the qualifier tournament? Any other thoughts that you have? Yeah, I think uh, JFlex and Bones are definitely good sleeper picks. I'm very much going to be watching them too. And uh, yeah, Kadoran, I, I I agree with Wasabi that Kadoran has a really good shot of making out too. Uh, I would love to see uh, I'd love to see Young Waff make a little run. I think I think homemade waffles. If the, if the bracket weighs in his favor, I mean, he might he might be able to make it out. I've I've seen him upset people more than a few times, but. It's going to be interesting. I think Bobby Big Balls might also be another person that could possibly make an upset and get some people out of the way and make it through to D2, depending on how his bracket goes. But I think personally, I'm still going to stick by my uh, my original four that I think are going to make it. Um, maybe not Magi. I know her internet's not super great. I might switch her out with someone like Kadoran. But I, I think Lucky Face Roll... And Chudat have a pretty good shot. But I think Slug does too. I mean, there's a lot of players in this Levo bracket that could surprise people and end up making it to D2. So I think that's going to be a, one of the things that people really need to pay attention to this weekend is how this bracket goes. Because there could be some really surprising people that a lot of spectators might not be expecting, but that have been putting in a lot of work, like JFlex or Bones. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Actually, um, I'm glad you brought up. Uh, homemade waffles as well uh, because he is someone i think who deserves a sleeper pick as well and, and is one of the main people i'm really looking at to um cause a lot of chaos in in the bracket also sleeper pick panda of course um less of a sleeper pick but um i've played with with homemade waffles a few times now since moving to cali and he is looking real really good and he is constantly playing while balancing obviously running events and stuff like that but you know, you don't just beat Sfat and Plup and and most of NorCal without being that good. So, you know, definitely is, I think, in tip-top form for sure. Yeah, absolutely. I agree with that 100%. Waffles is a, a definite sleeper pick, I think. Yeah, I agree. And the reason why I was looking past Homemade Waffles a little bit myself is because I feel like the last event that I saw him say, yeah, I'm going to be entering in this, entered in as all Captain Falcon, which was which was fun to see. Uh, but that uh, is definitely more of the leaning towards being a Falco main for sure. But I think I, think I did see when he posted he was going to be entering it. It was like, support these events. It's really cool that these are happening. Uh, you know, it's cool to support my stuff, but want to support Leffen, want to support these other TOs. I also saw the entered into Ginger's Pot of Gold too, so that's really cool as well. Really, really awesome to see the possibility of homemade waffles making a run, though, especially if it, if the Falco stays out. That would be so cool to see that. And who could possibly forget? Uh, this is going to live in my head rent free for a very long time when Magi did that incredible Yoshi story forward air falling down wall jump down air on sfat what a power move i was like wow she is so good at melee and this was yeah she's flashy smash summit i believe oh it was so fun so i i hope that the internet actually comes through for once because it's been so sad that magi hasn't been able to enter into these qualifiers like tries but then the internet's just not good enough 
And with that, uh, at the risk of taking too much more time, we're at over an hour here. Quick vibe check. Do we just want to try to quickly go through predictions, or is there any other thoughts? How are we doing on time, Brentos? Oh, we're doing good. Yeah. In wasabi. Yeah, yeah. We let's let's go through first round predictions and then and then call the winner at the end, like we like we always do. Perfect. Okay, so <clears throat> let me zoom zoom in here. Okay, so let's do the division two side of it first Keizu versus plup and we'll start with you wasabi and then we'll move to brentos and then i'll be the tiebreaker if need be All Wasabi, right, yeah. what do you got for Keizu versus plup i i'm going plup on this one yeah big plup big plup all right scratch that off there who will then play against the loser of zane versus ginger so wasabi Ooh. zane or ginger uh, Zane's gonna win, so Ginger versus Plup, I'll I'll call that as well. I think, ooh, that's gonna be really fun. I have a feeling that I think Plup takes it. I don't know why. Hearts of Hearts, Plup takes it. Yeah, I agree with everything said. I think Zane's gonna take the head to head with Ginger, and honestly, I I think I have to give it to Plup and Plup versus Ginger. Yeah, I'm kind of seeing it shake out that way as well. Although I am, I've just been so impressed with Keizu recently. I would love to see Keizu take this, but it is a long hill to climb in that regard. And if it is Ginger versus Plup, I mean, I, I think Plup's definitely thinking, hey, I want to be in Division One by the end of all this to automatically qualify for Smash Summit 11. Excuse me. So that that's a big deal here as well. It's really coming down to the wire. So now we have Hungry Barks. Hungry Box, excuse me, versus Call Ball. Wasabi, who you got? I think Hbox is going to take it. I think it's going to be like a. Re- I want Cobalt to win. Cobalt one of my fa- is one of my favorite Fox players, especially because we have the same Smash teacher as uh, you know with Beer Man or AKA Lamb Chops. But but I think Hbox just has a strong record, and, and I think Hbox will take it. Yeah, I agree. I think Hbox is is going to take it, but Cobalt is one of those players that he, he could sneak in if Hbox, if his attention is too divided with all the different things that he's trying to balance. <clears throat> Cobalt could definitely sneak in and, and whoop on him a little bit, but I would be surprised if Hbox did not win. But it'll be a fun set to watch regardless, because, I mean, they go way, way back, so they know all of each other's tricks, which I think really helps Cobalt in that aspect. But it's going to be... that That's a rough matchup, and... and you know, it's hard to get the pre-slippy era H-Box out of your mind when he just used to throw foxes in the grinder and just beat them all to shit. That's a great way to put it. <laughs> so then, with Mango most likely winning over Gatsu, I think we're all in agreement there. That would be Gatsu versus... Col- uh, sorry, Gatsu versus Hungerbox, excuse me. And who are we thinking there, Wasabi? Oh, wow, that's going to be really interesting. Um... So it's an all Florida battle, no matter what, considering we're all assuming Mango wins. Um, that's really interesting. Um, I think I want to say Gatsu, funny enough. I think I think Gatsu can dig it. I think he, it, it's, I think it will, we'll see a pop off for sure. Yes, <laughs> I, I agree with that. I think Gatsu has a better shot at taking it against Hungrybox than Colwall does. And Hungrybox, even pre-Slippy, he was very vocal about how he does not like playing against Captain Falcon and he thinks that matchup is really really hard for Jigglypuff 
So in this slippy era where Hungrybox has had all of his time divided and he's been taking losses left and right to people that you would never see Hungrybox lose to in the pre-slippy era, that Gatsu's going to take that and run with it. And I honestly think that Gatsu could, could definitely take it from Hungrybox. Yeah. As a final thought, I, I also think that like the more times you see Hbox lose to a, a different Falcon, right? So not just like Wizzy at at a Smash and Splash, but you know Nun and then SJ most recently, um, it just gives you way more data of like how you can go about beating Hbox, and I think that's like the difference, right? Is like Gatsu doesn't need to like a road has now I would say officially been paved to show this is like are several ways you can beat hbox and it's up to you to kind of like take what you see and spin it in your own way but it you know i think before it was like in theory the falcons believe they could beat hbox but you had to play like just like wizzy to do it you know and i think that's it's really changed now with the slippy era yeah i agree 100 percent. and of all the falcons that are like you know in that top four i think gatsu just the way that he plays and that he practices and learns, I think he benefits more than any of the rest of them at having that other data to just study. You know, now he has three different Falcon sets that he can study where they beat Hbox and Gatsu is a lab rat. He's really good at analyzing data and, and mixing it into his own gameplay. And so now we have Sunsei versus Albert. Wasabi, who you got? Uh, for this one, I actually believe... Um... I believe in Albert. I'm 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 rooting for Texas here. I I know, uh, I I I always side with the Fox main in my heart, but I think Albert just like destroyed me in in several money matches so hard, and I've seen him against other Foxes that I think he he really really could do damage against Sunsei and take it. Yeah, I mean as a as a Texas boy, I I gotta go for my hometown hero. I think Albert. I think I my, I my pick is Albert. I think it could honestly go either way. I think they're both really evenly skilled, but Albert is really, really good at that Fox matchup. And I think he's going to show Sunsei, you know, just how good he is. I, I think Albert's going to take it. And so now that leaves SFAT Wizrobe to either move on in Division 1 or to play against Albert and defend their Division 1 spot. So, Wasabi, who wins between SFAT and Wizrobe? I'm siding with the Fox on this one. I think SFAT's going to continue his momentum. I think the format somehow has kind of unlocked something in him, and and, and we're kind of seeing like the old SFAT where he was like got second that shine, you know, against M2K and beat Mango at that tournament as well. So I think SFAT will take it. Yeah, I'm gonna my my heart's gonna go with SFAT too. I think he's he's riding a really high high right now with his momentum throughout all of 2020. I think he's going to keep riding it, and the matchup works in his favor too, even if I think he might be a little bit less of a, like, the, the player skill might be <clears throat> slightly more Wizrobe favor. I think that SFAT really has the experience and the knowledge in that matchup, and he's got a really heavy momentum point right now that I think he's just going to keep riding. And so, now that leaves... Wizrobe versus Albert. So, Wasabi, Wizrobe versus Albert, who you got? I th I think Wizzy's going to take it. I I think Wizzy's still like all the work that he's putting he put in against Mango and and stuff like that last week will just carry over. And 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 I just cannot see 
even if it's it's Falcon versus Falco, I think Wizzy will take it. Yeah, I, I'm gonna have to agree with that too. I think Wizard's definitely favored. Albert, Albert could do it. He's really, really good at the Falcon matchup too. Falcon and Fox, Falcon, Fox, and Ices, I think are like three of his strongest matchups, and so I think he can really put in work against Wizard. But I think Wizard's probably gonna be the one that takes that set. And so now we have Ben versus Moki. Wasabi, who you got? I would I would be interested in seeing Ben take this, but I I just really do think Moki Moki will take it, right? Like he he is a division one player. That is where he should be. And I think that uh he 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 has all the tools to kind of get you know, claw his way back up. He kinda of just had like a little bit of an unlucky bracket last time. Uh, with Zane not being able to even play and then having to play the relegation immediately afterwards. So I think that he's going to do really well, and I just think back to that set against Swedish Delight where he he took it, and, and he just can play against that style of Sheik as well. Yeah, I agree. I think it would be really, really fun to see Ben take it. I've been loving watching Ben Sheik. I think he's bringing a lot to the table that's been lacking, you know, with like Mewtwo King not really injuring anything. Club not really entering anything. Swedish not really entering anything. So it's really cool to see that Sheik representation at such a high level from Ben. But I think that matchup is so, so rough for a Sheik. And Moki really is good at it. And Moki has the technical skill and the speed to just smother Sheik abs- like completely. And whenever, whenever you have a Fox like that against a Sheik, if you're playing it as Sheik, it sometimes feel like you can't do anything but try to nair out a shield and just hope that it connects. Uh, speaking of rough brackets for Moki, he actually would have to play against the loser of S2J versus IBDW. So Wasabi, who's going to win that one, IBDW or S2J? Oh, that's so, so tough. I, I really... I, I, I'm just going to go with a trend of, I think, like just like the way that melee is set up right now it lends itself to you being players being able to like continue their hot streaks more often and i think um sj isn't any more on on just a hot streak he he has kind of ascended to another level of play that and consistency and and i think that he's he he's going to take it actually um and partially is maybe just like a little bit of doubt if if ibw has able to kind of fix his kind of controller issues from from last week as well Yeah. And then, that's... Yeah, yeah. Sorry. Go continue. No, no. You can go in and finish. Oh, I was just gonna say, and then then to call it Moki IBW. I, I see. I see IBW taking that. Yeah, I agree. I think S2J is probably gonna take that set. S2J has been on a crazy tear all of 2021 so far. Like I said, I actually just looked it up while you were talking with Sabi, and yeah, S2J has not gotten. He hasn't placed lower than third at any major of this year so far. I think he's going to keep riding that momentum. And then if it comes down to IBDW Moki, I think IBDW takes it. I honestly kind of think like rough bracket for Moki, but I think regardless of who loses S2J or IBDW, I think the loser is going to take it from Moki because I think both S2J and IBDW just have the tools and the momentum and they're, they've kind of ascended to another level where I don't think Moki is quite there yet. Yeah, I agree. The difference between the top five in melee and top 10 in melee is is still not large and impossible but it's it's sizable and yeah. and uh, and the funny thing is with s2j is like 
we keep on saying momentum and and i've been you know even saying momentum and streak and stuff like that but like why are we just gonna say he's just like just is that good of a like has gotten just like that better over over this time it's hard to believe that it's like a consistent hot streak i think it's just like he's really ascended now in in his play yeah absolutely i agree 100 percent. he's not yeah he's no longer on a hot streak he's just he's at that level now where he's definitively a top five player yeah yeah like s a hot is is on a hot streak right now right s on a hot streak and he's riding a high suj is just he's just cemented in the top five right now he's just that nasty yeah he's just that good and that consistently good i love it yeah and so the last thing that we're going to do is predict the civil single elimination bracket we got on the one side in the semifinals, Zayn versus S2J, which has been quite the matchup to watch in 2021. Been some great sets, and including S2J beating Zayn in in the winner's side of the Four Loco fight night, but then Zayn came back through losers to beat S2J twice, as I remember, to win that tournament. Had his first patented Zayn losers run, if I, as I recall, you can correct either of you can correct me if I'm wrong, but I'm pretty sure that's what happened. Either way, S2J did at least win one set here in 2021 over Zayn, which is that is an impressive feat for sure. So this is going to be an interesting matchup if it happens. Wasabi, who you got? I, I, I'm just siding with Zane on this. I think we're on a collision course to uh, Mango Zane Grand Finals again. Yep, I agree. This matchup is is good for S2J, and he's shown that he's got a lot of work put into it. But I do think that right now, even in the top five, I think the top two, definitely Mango and Zane, And I think that they're even kind of a step or two above everyone else in the top five. It's going to be really tough for us to take that set. So I, I definitely think it's going to be Zayn. And I agree that this whole bracket is honestly more than likely going to end up a collision course of Zayn Mango at the end. Yeah, wrong crowd. So then that means Mango <laughs> beats S Fat. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I, yeah. yeah I <laughs> the Mango side of the bracket is entirely comfort, also. I, that's the other thing about it is it's like Mango versus the Falcon versus like S Fat slash Fox. Or a Wizzy. Like, it, this, like, Mango side is, like, completely a comfort bracket to him. Compared to Zane's side, he has an extra matchup to prep for. And then also it's players that all have kind of pushed him more recently than, than any of the players on Mango's end. Yeah. Mango's kind of looking clean. Because, I mean, he's, I, you know, he's got Falcon round one. Rough for the Falcon. You got to play against Mango. That sucks. And then round two... Either going to be playing S Fat, who I don't see him losing to, or he's going to play Wizardrope, who's another Falcon. And you know, like we said, Mango just doesn't really lose to Captain Falcon. I don't think Wizardrope's ever taken a set from him. No, there was he's zero and nineteen, I believe, right now. Yeah. Um, and and S Fat, right? Mango almost picked S Fat until he jumped on Mango's stream and said, "No, I want to play Zane." And then Zane ended up choosing Moki for the ping. <laughs> yeah. But uh, <laughs> that's the confidence that like. And and the ease I think on Mango side of the bracket for sure. Yep, I agree. And so that leaves Zane versus Mango to to win SCL two week three. So Wasabi, who you got? Uh, this is this is tough. I mean, it's just it's just like both players kind of ran each other over for the first two weeks. Like I know Mango was like closer, but like again, he took two games from FDN and Zane just didn't. <laughs> Just absolutely mauled Mango a last time. 
I want to believe in the Mango Nation. I think Mango plays best after he loses also. And and he's definitely going to want to get his revenge against against Zane, where I feel like Mango, you know, not since, you know, his earlier days, it's more of like he, he suffers a tough loss and then bounces back rather than kind of like holding the throne. And, and I just think he's going to really take it back this time, especially having the few weeks to recharge. Yeah, I agree. I think the extra kind of like week off really works in Mango's favor. And I think him losing to Zane 3-0 the last SEL week, Mango's going to come back with a vengeance. And he's... I, I got to side with Mango, too. I think Mango's probably going to take it. I am interested to see how this would go should they meet again in Grand Finals, which is which is very likely, of course. I, I think we're all in agreement there. But I... I want to I want to say Mango just because it's like that's the storyline that's like the yeah okay cool so they're just going back and forth but I I feel like this is from Zane's perspective just like being having that opportunity once again to really cement the yeah I'm the player to beat here sort of mentality because in SCL one it was Mango week one and then it was Zane the rest of the way. Now, Mango never made it back to play against Zane in Grand Finals for SCL1, but I'm just really interested to see how this how this matchup would go should it happen. I think, again, we all think it's going to happen. So I would love to see Mango win just because <laughs> post-victory Mango is always hilarious to me, but so is post-losing Mango. Mango's hilarious no matter what to me, <laughs> but... I'm I'm excited to see all the action that is coming towards us this upcoming weekend. The qualifier bracket of Levo and then SCL2 Week 3. It'll all be on Leffen's stream, and then the Sunday action will be on the BTS Smash stream. So for anyone who's listening, who's gone this far, you're probably going to tune in. But just in case you were thinking otherwise, of course you got to tune in. And... I want to thank Wasabi and Brentos for joining me. Wasabi, please uh, tell the people where they can find you and offer your final thoughts for the for all the things we've been going over tonight. Yeah, yeah. You can find me on my Twitter handle, Twitch, or YouTube, all under Wasabi Sabi with two S's. And also on the Wannabes podcast with me and my co-host JD, where we talk about our week and have some interviews as well with some players in this cha- Champions League, like, like Ginger. And you know outside of that we just talk about us and then trying to learn how to grow up while still being as passionate with smash and learning how to be adults final thoughts is i think that this this is the last of this format right before they kind of ran the same play but i believe week four goes into a double elimination bracket and then there's also summit spots on the line for it and so this is going to be just really interesting because it's kind of like the finale for you know this sort of pre-show coming up to week four. And Brentos, the same. Please tell the people where they can find you and offer your final thoughts for the action we have ahead of us for this weekend. Yeah, yeah. You can find me on uh, on Twitter uh, at Brentos underscore fresh. Uh, you can find me on my episode of the Bottom of the Smash Mountain podcast, which I highly recommend you listen to. Also, uh, if you uh, search Last Doc Legends in your YouTube channel, go watch some Last Doc Legends. We may or may not have some stuff brewing in the near future that I might Ooh. be able to tease at a later date, but 
for right now. Go check out our old documentaries that we did in uh, 2015 and 2016. And for final thoughts, I mean, I think it's going to be really fun. Like what, well, like what Wasabi said, you know, this is a really interesting week because it's sort of like the penultimate week leading up to what's going to happen in the last week of SEL that's going to be the, you know, the double LM bracket leading into the summit spots. So this is kind of like, this week is like the last hurrah for anyone that's not in a division yet to sort of make their name and get up there. So I think watching the qualifier bracket is going to be huge for this one because there's a lot of players that could upset and, you know, take some D2 spots for next week, which, you know, would end up leading into a summit spot potentially. So I think this week is, it's, it's a big week for what we have in store for the rest of the year, or at least the rest of this half of the year for Melee. I'm just like smiling like such a big idiot right now because of like, wait, more fresh last talk legend stuff. That's really cool. That's a cool tease. That's we'll awesome. We'll see. And to both of you, thank you so much for joining me here for the bottom of Smash Mountain SEL2 week three preview. Thank you so much. Yeah, absolutely. Thanks for having us. Yeah, thank you for having us. Why is it so quiet? Oh, right, transition. So how does it feel doing the 51st episode as the 50th episode? It, I, don't, I don't know. It feels weird. Thank you so much for listening to today's episode of Bottom of the Smash Mountain. I really appreciate it. Call to action. Who do you think is going to win in any of the matchups that Brentos, Wasabi, and myself were talking about today? Do you know what the ultimate Opus Magnus Carlson thing is going to be? Why don't you go ahead and tell me at Cypher003 or at BSMPod or use the hashtag BSMPod and because, you know, I check that every once in a while. I should probably check it more, but honestly, since no one else has been using it except for one or two exceptions, that's why it's hard to check. And, okay, you know what? This has been a long enough podcast. I should stop rambling. Thank you so much for listening, and we'll catch you next time. How about that?